everybody, welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I'm your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and this time, I'll be talking about the prevalence of ghosts in global culture. Despite zero scientific evidence of their existence, ghosts are prevalent in every culture around the globe. Ghosts have been around since time immemorial. Ghosts are part of Hamlet. Ghosts are part of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. The movie Ghosts. Blythe Spirit by Noel Coward. TV shows like Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Brothers. Movies like Paranormal Activity, Ghostbusters. The Real Ghostbusters Kitty Show. Ghosts are as real as people want them to be. People believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's not just part of the Judeo-Christian tradition. It's part of Islam. It's part of Eastern religions. And it is part and parcel of our culture. It has been woven into the fabric of society everywhere. The most popular TV shows right now in the UK and US are ghosts. We think we see ghosts. We do see ghosts. We feel ghosts. We feel their presence. We think we feel their presence. We have experiences. We like to attribute them to something otherworldly. And sometimes we do have experiences that cannot be explained through rational belief systems or critical thinking. I know I have had several experiences that cannot be explained by scientific methods. They just cannot. When my mother was passing away, I was on the Long Island Railroad and the train pulled into Woodside Station. And as I was sitting there, I clearly heard my mother's voice call my name. By the time I got to my sibling's home, where my mother was in hospice care, she had lost consciousness and passed away the very next day. I personally have documented a number of paranormal experiences that happened in my apartment, particularly in my kitchen. And that's a pretty long list. I have had an incredibly bizarre experience in Ireland at an estate. And none of this should ever rationally happen to anyone. But I was a kid, and it did happen to me. There are numerous articles about people's belief systems and the fact that people around the world, up until the last century, have believed that they could make contact and talk with the dead. It's not as uncommon as people think. From Gay Times on January 25th of this year, the article is entitled, Will You Just Tap the Effing Table? Cheryl Talks Ghosts and Gays to mark her West End debut in 
22, A Ghost Story, a pop icon reflects on her deep spiritual experiences, including ghost hunting with girls aloud and her strong relationship with the LGBT community. I just said, if you're here, just tap the fucking table. Let's cut the bullshit. And it did. Cheryl laughs as she reminisces on Ghost Hunting with Girls Aloud, a seminal work of horror that has since been praised as one of the most iconic hours in British television by Gay Twitter. We're discussing the paranormal series as Cheryl makes her debut as a leading actor in 222, A Ghost Story, Danny Robbins' acclaimed West End play about a woman who is convinced her home has been infiltrated by a supernatural presence. From The Walrus, in January of 2021, why do we see dead people? Humans have always sensed the ghosts of loved ones. It's only in the last century that we convinced ourselves this was a problem. It goes on to explain a lot of beliefs and a lot of what people experience, but it happened to Harriet Beecher Stowe, the author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. She wrote about spirits in her own book. In Uncle Tom's Cabin, Tom has a perception of his friend Ava's post-mortem presence. As Beecher Stowe would later write, the dead still may move about in our homes, shedding an atmosphere of purity and peace. We are compassed about by a cloud of witnesses whose hearts throb in sympathy with every effort and struggle and who thrill with joy at every success. The first scientific study that examined visions of the dead was conducted in the 1880s by some founding members of London's Society for Psychical Research, SPR. Investigations into the unconscious mind were coming into vogue, examining mysteries like hypnosis and dreams. Meanwhile, the proliferation of cameras and telegraphs, with their figures frozen in time and disembodied voices, were upending what people thought possible. In my experience, as a child, I was visiting Ireland with my parents and the rest of my family, or other members of my family, and we went to uh, Glasnevin Cemetery, which is on the north side of Dublin. There are over three million bodies buried in Glasnevin Cemetery, and Glasnevin is considered one of the most haunted locations in Ireland. The thing about it is, members of my family had come to visit my mother's family's family plot to pay their respects. And my grandmother, my grandfather, and several of my would-be uncles and aunts who all died before they reached maturity were buried there. Fair enough. Right next to the family plot was another family plot. And in Ireland, uh, it is not uncommon for a grave to be covered with a stone, as well as a headstone, and uh, borders of that grave to have stone around them so that it, it forms a rectangle. Now, we were there, and I noticed something which I found extraordinarily unusual to me at this young point in my life, was that there was uh, a married couple, middle-aged, at the grave. Ma'am and Da. Ma'am was on her knees with a bucket of water, scrubbing, cleaning, pruning, and trimming 
all flora around the grave. And Das sat in his chair, which was a folding lawn chair, reading the Sunday paper. Now, that was not particularly unusual, except for the fact that the parents were having a conversation with their daughter, who was deceased, lying six feet under, as if she was alive, and the father was saying things like, don't listen to your mother. And they would go back and forth and have a conversation as if they were just having a cup of tea, which I thought was really, really weird. And Glasnevin is supposedly haunted, and many people have reported seeing the dead there. There's a lot of lore about that particular cemetery. My own experience happened at an estate that uh, was being restored. It was a Georgian manor, and uh, it was a very weird thing. It was a very weird experience. Well, I was with my family, and we were looking at rickety old staircases and moldy, crumbling tapestries, and it smelled musty and fusty, and it didn't have any electricity inside the house. And I looked to the hallway, which did not have any windows. I just went from the main room as a walk-through hallway to another hallway, which had light. And as I looked, I saw a shadow pass. And I thought that was extremely strange because there was no light for a shadow to pass anywhere. So, I became transfixed and I entered some sort of trance-like state. And I saw this cloud, which looked like, I guess, static electricity or the companion from the Zephram Cochran episode of Star Trek, the original series. I believe the episode was titled Metamorphosis. Somewhat hypnotized and somewhat in a trance, I walked into this cloud, which felt like very, very, very faint static electricity, and I described what I experienced as if you had taken two handy wipes, those disposable towels, and gotten them wet and wringed them out so they were just the slightest bit damp. And they were very, very sheer handy wipes. And they looked like paisley. And they floated through my body and pulled me forward. And I just kept on moving. And I walked through this place and wound up being where I should not have been allowed to enter. And nobody seemed to notice and nobody seemed to mind. And I walked right through the Pottery Center and I walked right through the gift shop and I walked out into the back of the building, into the carriage house. Now, the carriage house had more musty, fusty, crumbling, canvas-topped carriages from the 19th, maybe even the 18th century, as well as huge, old, fancy automobiles that were sitting there rotting and rusting. And as I was there, a number of children showed up, and they seemed to largely ignore me. They were playing on the carriages and on the cars, but they paid me no attention. And I thought the odd thing it was that all of these kids were boys, and they all seemed to be wearing clothes that were anachronistic to the time. And I turned around to look at the house. And when I turned back into the carriage house, 
every one of them was gone. And the cloud moved me forward to the grove of the aspen, which was actually unusual for Ireland to see a grove of aspen trees. So I found myself walking into this grove, and as I got into the grove, I think there were at least 40 and I think they would probably be referred to as palomino horses. They were speckled horses. They were all laying down around this pond. That was something else that I was transfixed at. I couldn't believe it. I never saw horses lie down. I couldn't believe horses were inside this grove of trees surrounding a pond. And it was misty. And suddenly two of the horses got up and I don't know what moved me, but I think it was the spirits of whatever you want to say they are, pulled me forward to follow the horses. And I followed these horses, and they walked very slowly, and they didn't seem to mind me. And one of them turned and left, and I followed the other one. And I followed the other one down this road. And that horse turned and left me, and I found myself standing in front of the gravestone of two kids who died in 1869. They were twins who were born on my birthday in 1860, exactly 100 years before I was. And that's a real story. But back to Wikipedia. The overwhelming consensus of science is that there is no proof that ghosts exist. Their existence is impossible to falsify, and ghost hunting has been classified as pseudoscience. Despite centuries of investigation, there is no scientific evidence that any location is inhabited by the spirits of the dead. Historically, certain toxic and psychoactive plants such as Datura and Hyoscamus niger, whose use has long been associated with necromancy and the underworld, have been shown to contain anticholinergic compounds that are pharmacologically linked to dementia, specifically DLB, as well as histological patterns of neurodegeneration. Recent research has indicated that ghost sightings may be related to degenerative brain diseases such as Alzheimer's disease. Common prescription medication and over-the-counter drugs such as sleep aids may also, in rare instances, cause ghost-like hallucinations, particularly zolpidem and diphenhydramine. Older reports linked carbon monoxide poisoning to ghost-like hallucinations. In folklore studies, Ghosts fall within the motif index designation E200 E599, ghosts and other revenants. Terminology. Further information, soul, genius, mythology, and geist. The English word ghost continues Old English gast. Stemming from the Proto-Germanic geistas, it is cognate with Old Frisian gast or geist, Old Saxon guest an Old Dutch guest, or jest, Old High German Geist. Although this form is not attested in North Germanic and East Germanic languages, the equivalent word in Gothic is ama, Old Norse has andi. It appears to be a dental suffix derivative of pre-Germanic goys de oz, 
fury, anger. That's what it means. Which is comparable to Sanskrit, hedas, anger, and avastan, zoizda, terrible, ugly. The prior Proto-Indo-European form is reconstructed as gaze deos from the root gaze, which is reflected in Old Norse geisa to rage, and geiski, fear. Geiski fuller, full of fear. In Gothic, uzgeisgan, to terrify, and uzgeisnan, to be terrified, as well as avestan zois, zois nu, shivering, trembling. The Germanic word is recorded as masculine only, but likely continues as a neuter est stem. The original meaning of the Germanic word would thus have been an animating principle of the mind, in particular capable of excitation and fury. Compare Ur. In German paganism, Germanic Mercury and the later Odin was at the same time the conductor of the dead and the lord of fury leading the wild hunt. Besides denoting the human spirit or soul, both of the living and the deceased, the Old English word is used as a synonym of Latin spiritus, also in the meaning of breath or blast from the earliest attestations, 9th century. It could also denote any good or evil spirit, such as angels or demons. The Anglo-Saxon Gospel refers to the demonic possession of Matthew 12.43 as, say, Onkleena Gast, also from the Old English period, the word could denote the Spirit of God, viz. the Holy Ghost. The now prevailing sense of the soul of a deceased person, spoken of as appearing in a visible form, only emerges in Middle English in the 14th century. The modern noun does, however, retain a wider field of application, extending on one hand to soul, spirit, vital principle, mind, or psyche, the seat of feeling, thought, and moral judgment. On the other hand, used figuratively of any shadowy outline, or fuzzy or unsubstantial image, in optics, photography, and cinematography especially, a flare, a secondary image, or spurious signal. The synonym spook is a Dutch loanword akin to low German spook of uncertain etymology. It entered the English language via American English in the 19th century. Alternative words in modern usage include specter, from Latin spectrum, the Scottish wraith of obscure origin, phantom, via French ultimately, from Greek phantasma, compared fantasy, and apparition. The term shade in classical mythology translates Greek okea or Latin umbra in reference to the notion of spirits in the Greek underworld. The term poltergeist is a German word, literally a noisy ghost, for a spirit said to manifest itself by invisibly moving and influencing objects. Wraith is a Scots word for ghost, specter, or apparition. It appeared in Scottish Romanticist literature and acquired the more general or figurative sense of portent or omen. In 18th to 19th century Scottish literature, it also applied to aquatic spirits. The word has no commonly accepted etymology. The OED notes of obscure origin only. <laughs> An association with the verb writhe has the etymology favored by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. 
Tolkien's use of the word in the naming of the creatures known as ringwraiths has influenced later usage in fantasy literature. Bogey or bogey bogey is a term used for a ghost and appears in Scottish poet John Maine's Halloween in 1780. A revenant is a deceased person returning from the dead to haunt the living, either as a disembodied ghost or alternatively as an animated undead corpse. Also related is the concept of a fetch, the visible ghost or spirit of a person yet alive. Further information, animism, ancestor worship, origin of religion, and anthropology of religion. A notion of the transcendent, supernatural, or numinous, usually involving entities like ghosts, demons, or deities, is a cultural universal. In pre-literate folk religions, these beliefs are often summarized under animism and ancestor worship. Some people believe the ghost or spirit never leaves earth until there is no one left to remember the one who died. In many cultures, malignant, restless souls are distinguished from the more benign spirits involved in ancestor worship. Ancestor worship typically involves rites intended to prevent revenants, vengeful spirits of the dead, imagine as starving and envious of the living. Strategies for preventing revenants may either include sacrifice, that is, giving the dead food and drink to pacify them, or a magical banishment of the deceased to force them not to return. Ritual feeding of the dead is performed in tradition like the Chinese Ghost Festival or the Western All Souls Day. Magical banishment of the dead is present in many of the world's burial customs. The bodies found in many tumuli, kurgan, have been ritually bound before burial, and the custom of binding the dead persists, for example, in rural Anatolia. 19th century anthropologist James Fraser stated in his classic work, The Golden Bough, that souls were seen as the creature within that animated the body. Although the human soul was sometimes symbolically or literally depicted in ancient cultures as a bird or other animal, it appears to have been widely held that the soul was an exact reproduction of the body in every feature, even down to clothing the person wore. This is depicted in artwork from various ancient cultures, including such works as the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which shows deceased people in the afterlife appearing much as they did before death, including the style of dress. <clears throat> While deceased ancestors are universally regarded as venerable and often believed to have a continued presence in some form of afterlife, the spirit of a deceased person that persists in the material world, a ghost, is regarded as an unnatural or undesirable state of affairs, and the idea of ghosts or revenants is associated with a reaction of fear. This is universally the case in pre-modern folk cultures, but fear of ghosts also remains an integral aspect of the modern ghost story, gothic horror, and other horror fiction dealing with the supernatural. Another widespread belief concerning ghosts is that they are composed of a misty, airy, or subtle material. Anthropologists link this idea to early beliefs that ghosts were the person within the person, the person's spirit, most noticeable in ancient cultures as a person's breath, which upon exhaling in colder climates appears visibly as a white mist. 
This belief may have also fostered the metaphorical meaning of breath in certain languages, such as the Latin spiritus and the Greek pneuma, which by analogy became extended to mean the soul. In the Bible, God is depicted as synthesizing Adam as a living soul from the dust of the earth and the breath of God. In many traditional accounts, ghosts were often thought to be deceased people looking for vengeance or imprisoned on earth for bad things they did during life. The appearance of a ghost has often been regarded as an omen or portent of death. Seeing one's own ghostly double or fetch is a related omen of death. White ladies were reported to appear in many rural areas and supposed to have died tragically or suffered trauma in life. White lady legends are found around the world. Common to many of them is the theme of losing a child or husband and a sense of purity, as opposed to the lady in red ghost that is mostly attributed to a jilted lover or prostitute. The white lady ghost is often associated with an individual family line or regarded as a harbinger of death similar to a banshee. Well, my mother told me about white lady folklore in Ireland, so I understand this this is a prevalent theme. Legends of ghost ships have existed since the 18th century. Most notable of these is the Flying Dutchman. This theme has been used in literature and the rhyme of the ancient mariner by Coleridge. Ghosts are often depicted as being covered in a shroud and or dragging chains. Locale. A place where ghosts are reported is described as haunted and often seen as being inhabited by spirits of the deceased who may have been former residents or were familiar with the property. Supernatural activity inside homes is said to be mainly associated with violent or tragic events and the building past, such as murder, accidental death, or suicide, sometimes in the recent or ancient past. However, not all hauntings are at a place of violent death or even on violent grounds. Many cultures and religions believe the essence of a being, such as the soul, continues to exist. Some religious views argue that the spirits of those who have died have not passed over and are trapped inside the property where their memories and energy are strong. Historically, there are many references to ghosts in Mesopotamian religions, the religions of Sumer, Babylon, Assyria, and other early states in Mesopotamia. Traces of these beliefs survive in the later Abrahamic religions that came to dominate the religion. Ghosts were thought to be created at time of death, taking on the memory and personality of the dead person. They traveled the netherworld where they were assigned a position and led an existence similar in some ways to that of the living. Relatives of the dead were expected to make offerings of food and drink to the dead to ease their conditions. If they did not, the ghosts could inflict misfortune and illness on the living. Traditional healing practices ascribed a variety of illnesses to the action of ghosts, while others were caused by gods or demons. There was widespread belief in ghosts in ancient Egyptian culture. The Hebrew Bible contains few references to ghosts associating spiritism with forbidden occult activity found in Deuteronomy 18.11. The most notable reference is in the first book of Samuel, in which a disguised King Saul has the witch of Endor summon the spirit or ghost of Samuel. 
the soul and spirit were believed to exist after death with the ability to assist or harm the living and the possibility of a second death. Over a period of more than 2,500 years, Egyptian beliefs about the nature of the afterlife evolved constantly. Many of these beliefs were recorded in hieroglyph inscriptions, papyrus scrolls, and tomb paintings. The Egyptian Book of the Dead compiles some of the beliefs from different periods of ancient Egyptian history. In modern times, the fanciful concept of a mummy coming back to life and wreaking havoc when disturbed has spawned a whole genre of horror stories and films. Ghosts appeared in Homer's Odyssey and Iliad, in which they were described as vanishing as a vapor, gibbering and whining into the earth. By the 5th century BC, classical Greek ghosts had become haunting, frightening creatures who could work to either good or evil purposes. The 5th century BC play Oresteia includes an appearance by the ghost of Clymenestra, one of the first ghosts to appear in a work of fiction. The ancient Romans believed a ghost could be used to exact revenge on an enemy by scratching a curse on a piece of lead or pottery and placing it into a grave. Plutarch, in the 1st century A.D., described the haunting of the baths at Chironea by the ghosts of a murdered man. In the New Testament, according to Luke, chapter 24, verses 37 to 39, following his resurrection, Jesus was forced to persuade disciples that he was not a ghost. Similarly, Jesus' followers at first believed he was a ghost when they saw him walking on water. In the 5th century A.D., the Christian priest Constantius of Lyon recorded an instance of the recurring theme of the improperly buried dead who come back to haunt the living and who can only seize their haunting when their bones have been discovered and properly reburied. In the Middle Ages, ghosts reported in medieval Europe tended to fall into two categories, the soul of the dead or demons. Most ghosts were souls assigned to purgatory, condemned for a specific period to atone for their transgressions in life. Medieval European ghosts were more substantial than the ghosts described in the Victorian age, and there are accounts of ghosts being wrestled with and physically restrained until a priest could arrive to hear its confession. There were some reported cases of ghostly armies fighting battles at night in a forest or in the remains of an Iron Age hill fort, as at Wandlebury near Cambridge, England. Living knights were sometimes challenged to single combat by phantom knights, which vanished when defeated. During the European Renaissance to Romanticism, Renaissance magic took a revived interest in the occult, including necromancy. In the era of Reformation and Counter-Reformation, there was frequently a backlash against unwholesome interest in the dark arts typified by writers such as Thomas Erastus. The Swiss Reformed pastor Ludwig Lavater supplied one of the most frequently reprinted books of the period with his Of Ghosts and Spirits Walking by Night. Modern Period of Western Culture Spiritualism is a monotheistic belief system or religion postulating a belief in God, but with a distinguishing feature or belief that spirits of the dead residing in the spirit world can be contacted by mediums who can then provide information about the afterlife. Spiritualism developed in the United States and reached its peak growth in membership from the 1840s to the 1920s, especially in English-language countries. By 1897, it was said to have had more than 8 million followers in the United States and Europe, 
mostly drawn from middle and upper classes, while the corresponding movement in continental Europe and Latin America is known as Spiritism. Spiritism, or French Spiritualism, is based on the five books of Spiritist codification, written by French educator Hippolyte Leon Denizard Rivelle under the pseudonym Alan Kardec, reporting seances in which he observed a series of phenomena that he attributed to incorporeal intelligence, spirits. His assumption of spirit communication was validated by many contemporaries, among them scientists and philosophers who attended seances and studied the phenomena. His work was later extended by writers like Leon Dennis, Arthur Conan Doyle, Camille Flammarion, Ernesto Bozzano, Chico Xavier, Divaldo Pereiro Franca, Waldo Vieira, Johannes Graeber, and others. Spiritism has adherents in many countries throughout the world, including Spain, United States, Canada, Japan, Germany, France, England, Argentina, Portugal, and especially Brazil, which has the largest proportion and greatest number of followers. As for the scientific view, the physician John Ferrier wrote an essay towards a theory of apparitions in 1813 in which he argued that sightings of ghosts were the result of optical illusions. Later, the French physician Alexandre-Jacques-François Briere de Boismont published On Hallucinations or The Rational History of Apparitions, Dreams, Ecstasy, Magnetism, and Somnambulism in 1845 in which he claimed sightings of ghosts were the results of hallucinations. David Turner, a retired physical chemist, suggested that ball lightning could cause inanimate objects to move erratically. Joe Nickel of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry wrote that there was no credible scientific evidence that any location was inhabited by spirits of the dead. Limitations of human perceptions and ordinary physical explanations can account for ghost sightings. For example, air pressure changes in a home causing doors to slam, humidity changes causing boards to creak, condensation in electrical connections caused intermittent behavior, or lights from a passing car reflected through a window at night. Pareidolia, an innate tendency to recognize patterns in random perceptions is what some skeptics believe causes people to believe they have seen ghosts. Reports of ghosts seen out of the corner of the eye may be accounted for by the sensitivity of human peripheral vision. According to Nickel, peripheral vision can easily mislead, especially late at night when the brain is tired and more likely to misinterpret sights and sounds. Nickel further states, science cannot substantiate the existence of a life energy that could survive death without dissipating or function at all without a brain. Why would clothes survive, he asks. If ghosts glide, then why do people claim to hear them with heavy footfalls? Nichols says that ghosts act the same way as dreams, memories, and imaginings because they, too, are mental creations. They are evidence not of another world, but of this real and natural one. Benjamin Radford, from the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry and author of the 2017 book Investigating Ghosts, The Search for Spirits, writes that, Ghost hunting is the world's most popular paranormal pursuit, yet to date ghost hunters cannot agree on what a ghost is or offer proof that they exist. It's all speculation and guesswork. He writes that it would be useful and important to distinguish between types of spirits and apparitions. Until then, it's merely a parlor game distracting amateur ghost hunters from the task at hand.
According to research in animalistic psychology, visions of ghosts may arise from hypnagogic hallucinations, waking dreams, experienced in the transitional states to and from sleep. In a study of two experiments into alleged hauntings, Wiseman et al. 2003 came to the conclusion that people consistently report unusual experiences in haunted areas because of environmental factors which may differ across locations. Some of these factors include the variance of local magnetic fields, size of location, and lighting level stimuli of which witnesses may not be consciously aware. People who experience sleep paralysis often report seeing ghosts during their experiences. Neuroscientists Balan Jalal and V.S. Ramachandran have recently proposed neurological theories for why people hallucinate ghosts during sleep paralysis. Their theories emphasize the role of the parietal lobe and mirror neurons in triggering such ghostly hallucinations. Ghosts exist in Judaism and Christianity, in Islam, in Buddhism, African folklore, European folklore, Indian subcontinent religions, Hindi, Gujarati, Urdu, Bengali, and more. China, Japan, Mexico. Ghosts are prominent in storytelling of various nations. The ghost story is ubiquitous across all cultures, from oral folk tales to works of literature. While ghost stories are often explicitly meant to be scary, they have been written to serve all sorts of purposes, from comedy to morality tales. Ghosts often appear in the narrative as sentinels or prophets of things to come. Belief in ghosts is found in all cultures around the world, and thus, ghost stories may be passed down orally or in written form. One of the more recognizable ghosts in English literature is the shade of Hamlet's murdered father in Shakespeare's The Tragic History of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. In English Renaissance theater, ghosts were often depicted in the garb of the living and even in armor, as with the ghost of Hamlet's father. Armor being out of date by the time of the Renaissance gave the stage ghosts a sense of antiquity. The classic ghost story arose during the Victorian period and included authors such as M.R. James, Sheridan Le Fanu, Violet Hunt, and Henry James. Classic ghost stories were influenced by the Gothic fiction tradition and contain elements of folklore and psychology. M.R. James summed up the essential elements of a ghost story as malevolence and terror, the glare of evil faces, the stony grin of unearthly malice, pursuing forms in darkness, and long-drawn distant screams. All are in place, and so is the modicum of blood, shed with deliberation and carefully husbanded. One of the key early appearances by Ghost was The Castle of Otranto by Horace Walpole in 1764, considered to be the first Gothic novel. Famous literary apparitions from this period are the ghosts of A Christmas Carol, in which Ebenezer Scrooge is helped to see the error of his ways by the ghost of his former colleague Jacob Marley, and the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas yet to come. In the modern era, 1920 to 1970, professional parapsychologists and ghost hunters such as Harry Price, active in the 1920s and 1930s, and Peter Underwood, active in the 1940s and 1950s, published accounts of their experiences 
with ostensibly true ghost stories such as Price's The Most Haunted House in England and Underwoods, The Ghosts of Borley, both recounting experiences at Borley Rectory. The writer Frank Edwards delved into ghost stories in his books like Stranger Than Science. Children's benevolent ghost stories became popular, such as Casper the Friendly Ghost, created in the 1930s and appearing in comics, animated cartoons, and eventually a 1995 feature film. With the advent of motion pictures and television, screen depictions of ghosts became common and spanned a variety of genres. The works of Shakespeare, Dickens, and Wilde have all been made into cinematic versions. Novel-length tales have been difficult to adapt to cinema, although that of The Haunting of Hill House to The Haunting in 1963 is an exception. Sentimental depictions during this period were more popular in cinema than horror, and the 1947 film The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, which was later adapted to a television series from 1968 to 1970. Genuine psychological horror films from this period included 1944's The Uninvited and 1945's The Dead of Night. Postmodern, meaning 1970 to present. The 1970s saw screen depictions of ghosts diverge into distinct genres of the romantic and horror. A common theme in the romantic genre from this period is the ghost as a benign guide or messenger, often with unfinished business, such as 1989's Field of Dreams and the 1990 film Ghost, and the 1993 comedy Heart and Souls. In the horror genre, 1980's The Fog, and a Nightmare on Elm Street series of films from the 1980s and 1990s are notable examples of the trend for the merging of ghost stories with scenes of physical violence. Popularized in such films as the 1984 comedy Ghostbusters, ghost hunting became a hobby for many who formed ghost hunting societies to explore reportedly haunted places. The ghost hunting theme has been featured in reality television series such as Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Hunters International, Ghost Lab, Most Haunted, and A Haunting, as well as Ghost Brothers. And the Osbournes want to believe. It is also represented in children's television by such programs as The Ghost Hunter and Ghost Trackers. Ghost hunting also gave rise to multiple guidebooks to haunted locations and ghost hunting how-to manuals. The 1990s saw a return to gothic ghosts whose dangers were more psychological and physical. Examples of films from this period include 1990's The Sixth Sense and The Others. Ooh, I love that movie. Asian cinema has also produced horror films about ghosts, such as the 1998 film Ringu, remade in the U.S. as The Ring in 2002, and the Pang Brothers 2002 film The Eye. Indian ghost movies are popular not just in India, but in the Middle East, Africa, Southeast Asia, and other parts of the world. Some Indian ghost movies, such as the comedy horror film Trandumukhi, have been commercial successes dubbed into several languages. In fictional television programming, ghosts have been explored in series such as Supernatural, Ghost Whisperer, and Medium. In animated fictional television programming, ghosts have served as the central element in such series as Casper the Friendly Ghost, Danny Phantom, and Scooby-Doo. Various other television shows have depicted ghosts as well. Now, as far as metaphorical usages, Nietzsche, 
argued that people generally wear prudent masks in company, but that an alternative strategy for social interaction to present oneself as an absence, as a social ghost, one reaches out for us but gets no hold of us, a sentiment later echoed, if in a less positive way, by Carl Jung. Nick Harkaway has considered that all people carry a host of ghosts in their heads in the form of impressions of past acquaintances, ghosts who represent mental maps of other people in the world and serve as philosophical reference points. Hmm. Object relations theory sees human personalities as formed by splitting off aspects of the person that he or she deems incompatible, whereupon the person may be haunted in later life by such ghosts of his or her alternate selves. The sense of ghosts as invisible, mysterious entities is invoked in several terms that use the word metaphorically, such as ghostwriter, a writer who pens texts credited to another person without revealing the ghostwriter's role as an author, ghost singer, a vocalist who records songs whose vocals are credited to another person, and ghosting a date when a person breaks off contact with a former romantic partner and disappears. Now, all I can say is uh, ghosts may or may not be real, but the idea and the concept of ghosts is very real, and they are universal. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out.